Welcome to Pre-K Spot Talks. I am Melissa, your host and the founder of Pre-K Spot, the spot for early childhood educators to open up their teaching. I am your guide down the open-ended child-led teaching path, and together we will explore strategies and ideas so that you may open up your teaching to less stress, more engagement, and an overall joyful child-led classroom. Hey, hey, teacher friend, we are back this week with season three, episode five, all about safe spaces. Is your classroom a safe space? This is something I believe as teachers, we are always ensuring that we offer. But I have to admit, I have been in the position where I thought I was offering a safe space, and I was, but only on a surface level. I learned over time how much deeper I needed to go to create an all-around, truly safe space for every single one of my students. The inspiration to write about this came to me from the play retreat hosted by Kristen R.B. Peterson. On every level, it was the safest space I have ever been that was not my home. I went knowing absolutely no one in real life. A few of the people I had spoken to on Instagram through DMs a little bit, but I can't really say that we truly knew each other. And it was nerve-wracking to walk into a place like this. I decided to go stay at a house with 20 other people that I had never met before. The only thing that we had in common was the fact that we were there for children. We had a passion for children and offering them the most developmentally appropriate practice through play. I walked into this shared living situation for four days with 20 other strangers, and it was awesome. Why was it awesome? It was awesome because it was truly this space for everybody to come together, get to know each other, and share their knowledge on the subject. Of course, we talked about a million other things. We had parties. We had beach walks. We had just conversations and food, and it was lovely. We were there for each other and we were there for our topic. We didn't really care what everybody else's situation was. We knew that people were coming in at different varying levels of understanding of play. We knew that people were coming in from across the country. There were people from Texas. There were people from Oregon. There were people from Minnesota. There were people from Florida, from Virginia, myself from New York City. We were from all over and totally different situations. A couple of public school teachers, some directors, some owners, some other teachers at private child care, some people who weren't even teaching anymore but were really working with children and families. We were from across the board and we were all okay with that. It turns out that, you know, we didn't all have the same full-on beliefs, but we were just there for each other. There was zero judgment throughout the entire weekend. And that's all I can really say about it was that because we were there for each other, we just allowed space for each other to be able to connect and discuss and talk. And we've connected even further beyond that. And we were able to share lots of different situations that have happened since we've been at the play retreat together in person. And they have been a really supportive group. The entire time that I was there, I couldn't help but think that this is exactly what early childhood should be. This is what early childhood settings need. They need people who are going to create spaces and feelings like this. The only thing we had in common was our love of children and the belief in play. But even that was varied, like I had said before. But that was all we needed. And it was like this because of the people. 
And if we can take that safe space back to our settings and start passing this along to other early childhood educators and really creating safe spaces, we are going to help better education for young children. It really was like an embodiment. It wasn't a strategy or a tool. It was it was a way of thinking and a way of living. And I didn't realize that I was living this kind of style. I didn't realize that I was embodying this. But being with other people who did, we all kind of collectively came together and put it inside ourselves and took and walked away with it. And so I learned this when I took a deeper dive many, many years ago. But I will admit it was still a journey, right? I'm still on a journey. I've been diving deep into play. I've been learning about play since at least before grad school in 2010. So this has been deep into my philosophy. But you can always go further. You can always learn more. I found that as I went deeper into my ideas about play and learning more about play, so did my ability to honor the children. And as I honor children more, I am embodying this safe space mentality. And so let's really talk about it. What do you need to do as an educator, no matter what your philosophy is, to create a truly deep safe space for the students in your care? It starts with connection, trust, patience, an understanding of the child and child development, understanding of play, the ability to stand up, your view of the child, and how do you honor the child? We honor this in the classroom in so many different ways. You know, we honor these kinds of things with body language, with our tone, the actual language that comes out of our mouth, management, activities, books, conversations. Are we listening to children? Are we listening to understand, not just to hear? Literally everything that we choose is helping to create this safe space for children. It is truly a lifestyle and a value in its core belief. So you have to value the safe space for children. And if you don't, that's okay. Let's start making the shift together. So let's go through this list. How do you build connection and trust? Well, you build connection and trust by really truly getting to know your children. Send out a form in the beginning of the year. Go deep with the questions that you're asking parents. Building that connection with families will help build that connection with children. You know, just knowing if they have a sister or brother at home or a sister or brother in the school or a sister or brother at a different school or that they have grandparents around. Those little things are great places to start because then they allow you to build conversation with your students to help build that trust and connection early on so that you can go even deeper as the school year goes on. We all know that as early childhood educators, we have to have patience. To me personally, having patience is at the top tier of things that you have to have if you are going to work with young children. If you cannot have your name repeated multiple times a day or the same question over and over and over and over again, then you cannot be in this field. Having a lot of patience is really where your reactions and your tones and your language and the way that you react to children that is is going to create a safe space for them. They know that if they accidentally spill something, they're not going to get yelled at or reprimanded. They know that if something small goes wrong, you have a way to solve it. Whatever your expectations and routines are in your classroom, you're setting those up in a way to set children up to have a safe space. They know what to do. They know how you're going to react. This way they know that they can take those risks. Having an understanding of the child and child development is, an, is a must. When you know how little children work, you know that sometimes 
they might do things by accident or they're not being manipulative or they might be making choices, but you know that the choice that they're making and their behavior is fueled by something deeper like self-regulation or, what you know, escape or a fear or something like that. When you understand these things, then you know where the children are coming from. And this way you can then, it connects back to the patients, you can react to the children in a kinder, softer, more safe way. And this also goes back to the connection and the trust. When you have connection and trust, you can truly get to know the children in your care. So do you see how everything is all interweaved? And this is why it's an embodiment. It's a lifestyle. It's a philosophy. Another thing to help create a safe space is the understanding of play. We're play-based educators here. I am always going to talk about the play and the role that it plays <laughs> in a classroom or in child in children's development or in creating whatever topic that we're talking about. Play plays a role in creating safe spaces in that you're allowing the children to play to process their experiences. Maybe something happened at home and they're processing, you know, a death in the family or a death of a pet and they're playing a lot of death play. You know, knowing that they have a safe space to do so will allow them to process their feelings around it, which then in turn allows them to regulate themselves and grow with their feelings and understand things in a deeper way and so that they don't act out. The ability to stand up for the children and advocate for play is a huge piece in creating a safe space because then you are not pushing things down onto children that are not developmentally appropriate. This is a larger and bigger topic in general. Advocating is tough. Sometimes it feels lonely. But in your ability to do so, just you know, showing somebody why you're doing something, learning to justify why you're allowing a child to sit in the cozy corner instead of going to morning meeting is going to go a long way. Understanding your view of the child, it's a little bit different than knowing your child and the development of the child, but your view of the child and how you think children are or the way you see them plays a role because it again is going to go back to your reactions or the way that you teach or the activities that you provide them. You know, do you think a child is an empty vessel? So then you're tossing a bunch of knowledge into their brain or are you following the biological child when you think they need to meet all their milestones at different times? I have a lot of information about the view of the child in my free mini course. So if you would like to go deeper into that, feel free to go sign up at that free mini course. Um, you can find it on my Instagram links or on my website at prekspot.com. So having a view of the child and understanding what your views of the child are, checking in on this and reflecting on this often will help you create safe spaces. Now that we know just some philosophical ideas that go behind this, let's look at some of the more physical or things that you, tangible things, I would say. The things that you can see and do and change physically, like your body language. Crossing your arms a lot. Putting your hands on your hips. Making a teacher face. I'm not saying these things are bad, but they are portraying a message. So you need to make sure that you know what your body is putting out there. Simple things like, are you sitting calmly on the carpet waiting for the children? Are your arms out open for hugs? Are you moving really quickly and that scares them? Who knows? Anything. Just being aware of what your body is saying is going to be a big help in making children feel safe and calm. We all know that little children are sometimes masters at misinterpreting pretty much everything that they see. Their job in life is to try to make sense of the stuff that they're seeing and doing and our bodies tell a lot that they may not fully understand. This is my favorite thing to talk about, your tone of language. 
This was something I have struggled with my entire life. I believe I've probably mentioned it before. I was always called bossy, bratty, you know, asking people if I was angry all the time, or people were asking me if I was angry all the time because my body language, resting bitch face here, people, I've got a really good one, but I've worked on it since, you know, since I've learned the phrase and then that's a thing. And my tone of voice was always putting a lot of people off. And this was something that I've had to learn to shift and change, especially since becoming an early childhood educator. And this is something that I believe a lot of teachers need to think about. And I know many teachers work on this from the beginning once they start to learn to be a teacher, but it's good to check in on it every once in a while because even the kindest thing can sound super cutting if you're using it in a different tone. And this goes along with the actual language that we're using with children. Are we punishing them or shaming them or being punitive without even really knowing it? I realized a lot of this when I finished working on my tone. I knew my tone was okay. And I really started to shift my language as I started taking some responsive classroom things. But then even I found myself saying things that were still shameful, but in a calm, kind way. So we really need to take a look at what we are saying to children. Are we really offering them a safe space to learn and to push forward from their mistakes? You know, things like using statements really takes a lot of the punishment or shame or punitiveness out of it. It also takes the approval from you out of it. So we're not saying good job. We're not telling children that you love something so that they're pleasing you. We're focusing on their process and statements can really help with that. And even with some of our language, we're still being really directive, right? We might be being kind. We might be offering reminding or redirecting language, but it could still be just constantly telling children what to do. And Who loves to be told what to do? I can tell you I don't. That's probably why a lot of the time I was using the tone and the putting off the body language that I was putting off because I hated being told what to do. I still don't love it. But, you know, you learn to deal with it as you become an adult. And young children can't do this if we're constantly yelling directives at them. So taking a look at the language and the way that you are speaking to children and the way that you're talking about different um, subjects and different aspects of life with the children Are we keeping things fairly neutral? My idea in the classroom is that we need to treat treat each other like humans and that we need to remain fairly neutral. You know, bigger subjects and ideas we're not going to shy away from. However, you don't want to put your values or take away a student's values. Just because you might disagree with their family values does not mean that it is not their family value. And you need to honor that. Now, we can't use it to hurt other people, but you can still honor it. And just making sure that you're using language like that to make sure that children know that who they are is okay, but we're not going to use it to hurt people or create unsafe spaces in our classroom. And this goes along with our language. It goes along with our management, which is the next idea. You know, are we managing different situations that the children get themselves into? Is the way that we're managing children making them feel unsafe or nervous or afraid to take risks? So much in traditional education is about silencing children. So much of it is about power over children and control over children. And personally, I believe we need to let go of some of that. Can we let total chaos ensue and can we let children run amok? No, we can't. They need to be safe. And if they're allowed to do whatever they want all the time, 
they are going to put themselves in some unsafe situations because they are young children. It comes with the nature of the child. So we need to find that balance between allowing children space and power and safety while also managing them and allowing them to be safe in the space. This takes time. It is definitely tricky. But there is a lot more information about this and our language and a lot of the things that I've talked about in my full course, The Open-Ended Way, which is also available on my website at prekspot.com. The reason why I've created a lot of these free courses and my big course is because I really want to help people move forward in this style of teaching. I want everybody to be doing something like this so that we aren't having these problems with children. We aren't creating spaces that are making children feel unsafe and they're pushing back and they're challenging and testing and things like that. We want to take some of that away by building a safe space for all children. Another way that we build a safe space for children is the activities that we choose. You know, are we really honoring all children in, say, the books that we're reading? Are we choosing books that are mirrors and windows for students? You know, look at your student population. Who are they? What do they have going on culturally? And make sure that you have at least books that are honoring that. And hey, did you know that play is culturally responsive? Play is open to everyone. Everybody can access it. But thinking about the materials that you have available and things like that and pictures and subjects and ideas that we're talking about in the classroom, are you honoring who the children are? When you're honoring who the children are, you're creating a safe space and making sure that we're not leaving out children's holidays. If you celebrate holidays in your school, make sure that you're celebrating all the holidays that are in your classroom. It's really awesome to celebrate all of the holidays so then children have windows into other cultural holidays, but at the minimum, you need to make sure that you're celebrating at least all of the children in your space. You know, sometimes doing a Christmas activity is going to alienate a Jewish child. I know that's the easiest one to talk about. It's the simplest one, and it comes to my head. But, you know, celebrating certain things can alienate other populations. You know, Jehovah Witnesses don't celebrate anything. They have their own ways of doing things. So we need to make sure that we are finding ways to honor children in all ways. You know, one of the ways that we do it at my school, our belief is that we don't outwardly celebrate anything. We don't really like to put a ton of ideas onto the children, but we celebrate the children's ideas. So the children come in talking about Christmas because a lot of them celebrate Christmas. So of course, we talk about it. We have a few things that we might do, some books we read. And then we have a couple of children who, you know, celebrate Diwali. So we're going to talk about that too when they bring in those ideas. And this segues beautifully into the last piece of what I believe is one of the ways or ways to create a safe space is conversations that we're having. We want to make sure that we are open to the conversations that children are bringing into the classroom. We are also making sure that we are having honest and open conversations with them. If children are saying hurtful things, we need to let them know that they are hurtful. We've had children in the past before say things like, oh, I don't like the color of your skin. Well, we need to talk about why that's hurtful. And we need to talk about it in honest, kind ways. So that way we know that we are honoring the children in our class that that was said to. But then... The child that said it is starting to understand that these things shouldn't be said. On the same note, you know, just regular daily conversations. Are we having conversations that are alienating a certain kind of person or people or are we have are we putting our beliefs onto the children? We all kind of talked about this a little bit before when we were talking about um, activities and books and these conversations. They all kind of go together because these are the things that are in the classroom that the children are bringing their inspiration from. Of course, they bring their ideas from home too, but when they are in the classroom, they're bringing their inspiration or getting their inspiration 
from the books that they see, the play that they're doing, the activities that they're doing. So we need to make sure that we are encompassing and embodying this whole idea of honoring the child and building a safe space. It really, it turns out that it's like a core value and it's a core belief. And I mention all of these things that we just talked about because maintaining a handle on these is really important. It's these things where we can sometimes go wrong even before we see it. So being aware is really important. Some children really, really need these safe spaces in the classroom. Some for many reasons that it can benefit for everybody. You know, some children have trauma at home, so they need to come to school and have stability, routine, and kindness. Some children need it so that they stay regulated throughout the day. Some other things that we can do in the classroom are making sure that we have a quiet, cozy corner. Children know what to do in case they have big feelings. Children know that they can step out into the hallway or children can see their families um, in family photos or, you know, little things like that. Having quiet spaces and soft things and space to just be themselves is really going to create the safest space for children. But to be themselves, they need to feel safe. And it starts with all of the things that we discussed here. Connection, trust, patience, understanding of the child and development, understanding play, the ability to advocate for play, your view of the child, the things in the classroom, your body language, your tone, your language, your management, your activities, books, conversations. Of course, this is going to, again, be a journey, but having the awareness of these things is a great place to start in creating a truly safe space for everyone in your classroom. And I hope that you find this helpful and that you can take a deeper look into your safe space and make sure that you are really helping the children in your care and truly taking care of them through a safe space. And as I mentioned before, if you're looking for more information on this or ways to dive deeper into shifting your philosophy to a more open-ended, child-led, play-based way, feel free to go ahead and check out my course, The Open-Ended Way. It is always available for you to join. If you are looking for one-on-one time with me, I offer coaching. We can talk about this and talk about your specific situation. You can find all of this on my website at prekspot.com. Or if we're Instagram friends, click that link in the bio. And that's it for this week. I'll see you next week.